Hi, I'm Catherine. And I'm Gail. And we welcome you to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, our award-winning weekly podcast. Please visit womenover70.com and consider joining Aging Reimagined Circle, our sustaining membership fund, so we may continue to inspire women to age with curiosity, courage, and creativity. Members enjoy monthly programming and probing discussions. We hope to see you there. And today we're very happy to be in conversation with Ingrid Rose, who's uh, 71. Uh, Ingrid and I met on a guided travel adventure to Morocco in the spring of this 2023. Now, for the past 15 years, 55 years, she's been fascinated by and drawn to Arabic and Muslim culture. She was a psychologist specializing in early childhood education. And she worked for 15 years in an early intervention program serving uh, a large Arabic population in Brooklyn, New York. She attributes, and I quote, feeling very much at home there, perhaps influenced by her own immigrant experiences. Since retiring in early 2023, Ingrid has been, is involved in um, maybe what I would call the tactile arts, such as paper sculpting, uh, knitting, crocheting, and she works with women's collectives around the world who are creating large tapestries and other projects celebrating women's freedoms, including women's reproductive rights. Ingrid's also reflecting now on what has been termed cross-generational transmission of trauma. So we'll be interested in hearing more about that as well. So Ingrid, welcome to Women Over 70. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Um, so let's let's hear a little bit about your early history, because I was so fascinated by that when we met uh, during our travels, how your upbringing with your own immigrant parents um, and living in Latin America, how that might have influenced some of your life choices and, and interests. All right. Uh, well, um, my parents were um, in Europe. My mom is from Bulgaria. My father is from Latvia. And after World War II, um, they separately, they didn't know each other then, they found them their way to Venezuela. Um, at that point, Latin America was, after the war, was really looking for uh, uh, people, actually, intelligentsia and people with specific skills. Uh, so it uh, getting a visa and immigrating was, that's why it became so common. Uh, so in... I guess late 48, 40, 1948, they went to Venezuela and uh, they met there. And uh, a few years later, I came along and uh, my mom was there with her father and mother um, and brother. Uh, they had uh, they had heard that in Bulgaria that the Iron Curtain was closing. And within a week, they had to pack up and leave. And so within a week, they left and um, went to France and waited there for their visas, and they went to Venezuela. So I was born there. I spent my childhood there till I was 12, almost 12. And then uh, the family, my father, who's a biologist, uh, was a professor in the university there. My father came, uh, got a grant from the Museum of Natural History, and then he... Um, the whole family then decided to move to the United States 
I found I found out later that one of the reasons that one of the many reasons and obvious reasons that they moved to the states was really uh, because they really wanted to give their children more of an opportunity. Even though Venezuela was a very stable democracy at that point, and and it was really a growing and thriving uh, place, uh, they still felt, and especially for me as a girl, um, they felt that it. I'd be better, we'd be better off here in the United States. Um, so then up we went and we came to the United States. Um, and so, um, yes, and then we lived here. And then I went to clearly high school, college and, and got my degrees and all that with my two brothers. I have two younger brothers. Um, so you didn't go, you didn't go into the sciences to follow your, your father. What did you, what did you go into? What was your field? Well, when I was very young, I um I had a wonderful dentist, and uh, I knew all my friends were afraid of being of their dentist, and uh, so um so I decided at around age eight or nine that I wanted to be a dentist so children wouldn't have to be afraid of the dentist. So I guess that was a big foreshadowing of then <laughs> what I became, which was a child psychologist. Um, so it pretty much followed the same um, idea. Um, I don't know. I love science. I love biology. I was a biology major in college, uh, biology psychology major in college. Um, but it just didn't, you know, didn't grab me the way psychology did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then working in, in, uh, in a service profession, I also, so clearly I was very drawn to going into the service profession. Um, so, so you were you were working for a, a long period of time with the Arabic culture in New York. So how did that come about? Well, I was I started I worked a lot with with clearly with Spanish speaking immigrants. Um, and so uh, my reputation became okay. Ingrid's the bilingual psychologist, and there weren't very many bilingual psychologists uh, around. And um, so it just, it was happenstance. Um, uh, one of the programs that I was consulting with um, decided, you know, told another program, told another program. And so the word got around. And then finally, one of the programs also happened to work with, with Arabic population because the, they had staff, they had the speech therapists and, um, and, you know, a lot of other staff that spoke Arabic. And 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 so I started working with them, um, and became uh, yeah was very involved with them, and absolutely um, as a child by the way I was I was fascinated by Egypt, so that was my, my first you know sort of obsession you know how you get obsessed as a kid in mm -hmm. um, things here and there well Egypt was my my thing, um, so uh, Egypt and then southern Spain and the whole more. Moorish cultures and so on. So those two things somehow captured my attention uh, very early on in my life. Um, and then, and yeah, and then when I started working with the Arabic population, it was just, it felt so fine. It felt very comfortable. I mean, clearly with the Latin American population, it felt totally amazing. Um, and it was wonderful to be able to give those that service. I also chose not to go into private practice and only do public service. Mm -hmm. um, and so always worked, you know, for preschools and schools and, and in, in 
programs rather than putting up a shingle. Rich kids have a lot of chances to get good services. So I decided to go the other way. I'm wondering how, how many languages do you speak? I, now I speak two languages well, Spanish and English. I grew up speaking Bulgarian, German, Spanish, because when my parents first met, neither spoke each other's language. Uh, so my mom didn't speak Latvian, my dad didn't speak Bulgarian, but they both, because of the war and because um, Latvia was immediately occupied by Germany. So my dad was, as a teenager, just scooped up and put in, into the um, German army. And then my mom, Bulgaria had a longstanding relationship with Germany over the centuries. Probably some king married some queen or something, you know, like that. <laughs> and um, so, uh, so she learned German as well uh, because of the, the relationship, even before, even pre-war. Um, so, so that, so when they met, German was the language they had in common. They neither spoke Spanish yet. So, because they were just newly arrived immigrants, right? So they, you know, they met within the first year or so that they were in Venezuela. So English is my fourth language, technically. Uh, I spoke Bulgarian because my grandfather lived with us. And so I had to speak, he didn't speak any other language. Um, and uh, yeah, so, but now it's the German and the Bulgarian are pretty much gone. <laughs> and, and Arabic, do you speak Arabic? No, I don't. Okay. I don't speak Arabic. So she was the star in our trip, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> Quick learner. Yeah. Was so fun. is there anything before we talk about life since, well, early 2023, is there anything you want else you want to mention about your work with children or infants? I loved it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I really, really enjoy I I consider myself extraordinarily fortunate to have found uh, a profession that I absolutely loved, but which I don't miss at all now. Interesting. Which is interesting, right? Yes. I, you know, I, I thought, oh, I'm going to miss it. Mm -mm, not, I, because I have other things now that I'm doing that I'm very active. And I always knew I would have those things, uh, the art. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't miss, I miss the people, some of the people I work with. Yeah. And I keep in touch with them, of course. But the work itself, I don't miss. Um, and, and But I really, yeah. That's so, tell us about your art. Is this where you have you always been involved in, in something to in the arts or is this a new Yes, no, venture? I always have been. Um I went to the high school of art and design. And the reason I went to art and design was not because I wanted to be an artist back then, but because I knew I was going to study for some profession in college. So I figured, well, let me get a few years of, of art under my belt yeah. before I go off and become some sort of professional, you know, and I always sort of knew psychology, psychiatry, something in that vein. Um, so it's always been, you know, my friend, you know, it's always been somebody sitting on my shoulder and, you know, and I've always done stuff on the side, you know, a little bit. Um, but what I'm enjoying about this time is I'm really able to fully give myself to it, you know, rather than 
oh, I have five minutes here or I have 10 minutes here or let me, you know, work on this project or let me think about this project. Now I can really do it, which presents challenges as well. But um, because so what are you, what really, are you doing? What are you creating? Um, so I work on different things. Um, right now I, I do, as you said, as you mentioned in your introduction, I work with, um, I participate in a lot of sort of uh, international um, projects. There's this movement and this uh, form called yarn bombing, where people uh, do knitting and crocheting, and then you they you put them up all all around. Uh, sometimes you put them up uh, secretly, so it's like a graffiti kind of idea, um, and then or sometimes it's really you people are really asked permission to put up a certain kind of mural, a certain kind of project. So I've been, I've been doing, I've been participating with that um, a lot um, with um, internationally. I've done in, in, in the States, there's this big project called the uh, Liberty Crochet Mural where um, women put together this a woman designed this huge mural and then they put out the call for participants to make a part of that mural and it's it consists of like 40 40 panels and women then you know 40 up to 40 women but usually it's a few less than 40 they make the panel and then we put it together and off it goes um and so far it's there's been one in each of about 25 states. And it's basically reproductive rights, you know, liberty, freedom to choose um, is that one. And then, um, but I also participated in a couple of European ones. One that is um, now they had a, there's a TPC. Teepees for Peace um, in Europe, where they're, uh, uh, again, a group of women are organizing and they're making this enormous teepee uh, made up of granny squares from women, from again, women and men, because uh, in the Liberty Crochet Mural, actually, it's, there's, there's, there's been a couple of, uh, a couple of, um, um, Fathers and daughters teams making their, the 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 mural as participating in the mural, um, and um, yeah, so so th that's that's what I've been working on, and it's very so exciting. Where do they do they? Are you sending them physically to someplace physically yeah. to be? So where are they going? Who do you send them to? Physically, you yeah, you know, I package them up and send them off to Europe or wherever they're going. So um, everybody. So people, yeah, so people get the um the date and the due dates and stuff, and then we just send them send them off. So it's sort of fun. The TP for peace is going to go near the uh, near the European Union uh, main place there okay. in one of their meetings and so on. Are these projects the same as the women's collective projects? It's it's it yeah it's usually group of women organizing right so so they're different women organizing it and the way I got into it is good old Instagram you know social media is good for something <laughs> so um and I really you know I I you know you I read about somebody or somebody you know 
posts on, on, you know, we need people, we need help with X, Y, or Z, or if you want to participate, or sometimes I just see somebody announces that they're doing something. And then I write to them and I said, well, would you like, you know, other participants from other countries and so on. And they mm-hmm. usually say, of course. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I've been sort of doing that. So the, the, re- the, the you said a major theme is re- women's reproductive rights, women's freedoms. So yeah. what are what so are there these are um, what are the visuals like? Can you give it describe one? Well, one of them is actually um, one of the place. One of the things is is um, roses against viol- roses to stop violence against women, mm-hmm. and um, a woman in Europe started that. And now, um, so it's a ro- literally a crocheted rose that gets po- that people post wherever they are, mm-hmm. right? So they'll post the the rose. And and now a woman in in Mexico City is organizing. Um, they want to put uh, at least one rose on each post and each tree on the longest avenue in Mexico City. Oh. So, so so it's thousands and thousands of roses. And so, and that happens this November. And so it's been going on for about a year that people have been working on, on them. Um, yeah. So that's, that's that one. Um, and yeah. So, and the other image is, is um, the, the Liberty crochet mural is a, is an image of a statue of Liberty. And instead of the torch, it's a uterus. She's holding the uterus, <laughs> oh, and um, and then it says "freedom to choose," you know, and it's huge. It's like eleven uh-huh. feet by seventeen feet, or something like that. It's really that one is particularly large. Oh, it's wonderful. Where yeah. will that one be, Ingrid? Where will that one be located? That one's been everywhere. So, for example, in New York State, that there's there were two in New York State. One of them was in Albany. In the in the actually in the Capitol inside one of the big buildings, Planned Parenthood has hosted a couple in different places. Um, it depends where where the organizer of that particular state can get a spot, right? Mm-hmm. So some women have been able to get a spot on a wall outside a ga- outside a gallery, uh, and and um, you know places like that, you know. Libraries, some, but mostly it's it's galleries and mm-hmm. plant parenthood buildings. Are the roses crocheted? Yes, oh, yes. yes. <laughs> Although I think probably also knit, but you know, crochet seems to be easier. <laughs> <laughs> I love it using the this because I grew up like my, my you know my grandmother and my aunts doing crocheting and knitting, and it's wonderful to hear them. Those uh, talents being used for reproductive right, rights. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I like that. <laughs> I think the other exciting thing is I started uh, crocheting hearts and posting hearts everywhere. I posted several in 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 Morocco. You did, yes. And um, every time I would send out one of my packages of of one of the mural things, I would send out a package. And and for me, the heart is of course about love. And 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 my the quotes that come to my mind at that that inform that are the Martin Luther King code quotes that, um, you know, I choose to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. Mm-hmm. So that's one of them. And then the other quote um, that I, that I work with is um, 
only only um only light can drive out darkness mm -hmm. uh, you know and then only love can drive out hate hate can't drive out hate and one of the women who received my packages happened to be going to atlanta and so she took my hearts and put them in the martin luther king oh, historic yeah. park Wonderful. and in front of the church so i thought oh my goodness that was really quite amazing such a little thing you know it's a little thing but but it's like so important so meaningful to me mm -hmm. anyway and i do think that by participating it's sort of almost like throwing a net of love over the world <laughs> thing right that's that's my mushy part but but it's it's sort of this linkage of of me to to the rest of the world you know it, it keeps me linked up we can all do our parts right we can all exactly. do a little part if, exactly we you know we, we always think these big flashy things are important yeah, yeah. It's, it's it really is so much the little things the little nooks and crannies you know mm -hmm. that i call yeah love it so tell us let's switch gears a little bit tell us about what? um you said you were you've been thinking more about cross-generational trauma yes yes tell us about that um i think the 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 idea I, I when i heard that phrase it really framed so beautifully what all of us go through right um that we all do carry the traumas of our ancestors in a way you know whether it be you know our parents our grandparents and so on we're lucky we get to reconfigure it a little bit and work with it, you know, and 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 res not resolve it, but do some healing with it and 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 work with it. And and to me, when I heard that frame, it it just was wonderful. It it my parents had a hell of a life, you know. Um, and um, I always get shaky when I talk about this, mm -hmm. but anyway. Um, so as i've gotten older this is the beauty of getting older as i've gotten older i've been able to understand them better and better i've mm -hmm. been able to take them in in a different way than you are able to take them in as a child right my mom my mom was a very sad person she was the most loving human being ever but she always carried such a sadness, such a sadness. And, and when I was a, you know, when I was a child and a teenager and a young adult, oh God, my mother's depressed, right? So you, you, you know, so there was a lot of anger, a lot of upsetness about that, a lot of, you know, oh, you know, and 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 we had a good relationship actually, but still it was, you know, it I, I was able to luckily I was able to express a lot of that anger. But but as I've gotten older and older and older, and of course, you know, as my mom uh, passed away and we took care of her, my brother and I, my brothers and I took care of her, um, it, I just really began to understand her more and more and her pain and her, you know, sorrow. And one day I said to my brothers, I remember, I said, I'm not angry at her anymore. And how freeing that was for me. And I think that was in large measure because I was older. You know, I'm not, 
I don't know that I could have done that when I was 30 or 40 or 50 mm-hmm. even, right? So um, so I think that's, and, and two, and the other thing about being older and the whole cross-generational trauma stuff is I find myself better able to contain all of the seemingly contradictory mm-hmm. feelings. Mm-hmm. And 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 uh, that again, when you're younger, it's got to be clearer, right? Everything's got to be like clearer because I got to get stuff done. I got to raise my kid, and da 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 da. And and I find that as I've gotten older, um, I'm able to. It's okay. It's okay to have been angry at my mom, you know, and to be very sad myself you know, about, you know, her life and then going through my own sadness in relationship to her sadness and, and her mother's sadness, because Mm -hmm. it's really, when I, when I think about it, we, I grew up with a lot of stories. I was lucky. I have tons of stories about my mom's mother, her siblings, my Mm -hmm. mom's grandparents, you know, all that. I have lots of those stories too, which I think helped me a lot. In, in being able to sort of integrate and mm-hmm. hold and carry all of their lives because it's part of my DNA, right? I mean, it's, yes. it's partly who, it is who I am. It made me who I am. Um, so for me to like reject this or that, it's it doesn't work. It won't work because it's like rejecting part of me as well. Mm. And my dad as well. I mean, my dad was a boy when he was in World War II. What did... You know, one of the things we did, one of the most bonding experiences I had with him as a child is we sat and watched World War II movies mm-hmm. as well. I was a teenager. And, mm-hmm. you know, and did I, I, I enjoyed watching the movies. I thought they were very interesting and was fascinated. But it's not till whoo, way later mm-hmm. that I understood, oh, he's, he was working out his stuff, you know, Um, and his experiences and his pain. And, you know, so, so that, and that, I really attribute that to getting older, Mm -hmm. to to being an older person, to having all this life under my belt Mm -hmm. uh, at this point. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. What else do you attribute to being older? I'm more patient. <laughs> that that's a very helpful thing. Um, I, I, you know, it's I don't know. It's I, I I go back to that that theme. I think it's a theme that 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 the the ability to hold and integrate so much. Mm-hmm. The other thing I see myself doing is sort of um, gathering. It's a word that comes to me, gathering all my life experiences and gathering all um, everything that I've seen and stuff into myself and to see what happens with it, you know, in a sense, to see what 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 chemical reaction, what I don't know what what it is, but what comes out of it. And interestingly enough, a lot of my art right now is making um, sort of uh, containers. And and I feel that it's it's not it's you know there's it's not a coincidence um, because I feel like I am I'm sort of partly containing uh, in a positive way because container has a double double meaning right you contain you limit or you contain or you and you hold, hold. Mm-hmm. and 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 so I love that image 
of, of the contain container, the containment of, of things and containing mm -hmm. uh, things. So that's that's the thing that's that's really sort of the the theme of, of the whole thing. And then and watching my daughter and my granddaughter, um, that's that's been great fun too, as you know, and and again being able to be there in a different way for them, you know, because mm -hmm. I am older. I the downside is that I the energy part is a little <laughs> bit tricky, but uh, with an eighteen month old, but uh, but still, I think my being able to to by being older, I can almost give so much more, right? Mm -hmm. Than probably I would have if I was a sixty-year-old or fifty-year-old. Uh, I know your granddaughter. Your, your granddaughter loves to FaceTime with you. I know that. Yeah, she does. You <laughs> see that a lot. <laughs> she does do that. Yeah. Another wonderful thing about technology. <laughs> That's not the eighteen-month-old. I hope. Say that again. It's not the eighteenth-month. Eighteen-month-old. No. <laughs> yeah. But the yeah they 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 do she's great she's she's fun yeah so do you do you uh, think about your own aging process much I mean you've been reflecting about some of the the wisdom and the patience that comes with aging but what about anything else about aging about my body <laughs> <laughs> um I I again I find myself being very patient with my body. Um, which is sort of a relief, you know, rather than, again, when you're young and you hurt yourself, you get angry. And I can't do this. I can't do that, you know, and that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I do find um, I'm lucky that I'm healthy in, in terms of my internal functioning. Uh, my, the, I always joke that the chassis is what's falling up, you know, a lot of rust spots and, and you know, the arthritis and all that. But um but I'm 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 not I'm finding that that the 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 body stuff is is it's it is a learning. I mean it is a learning to 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 you know and to and to be okay with saying things like, oh, I really can't do everything at the same time. You know, I used to multitask up the wazoos and be able to, you know, run a three-ring circus without blinking an eye. Um and and even though at first it was like, why can't I do it? And then I said, no, it's okay. I'll just do the one ring circus. That's okay. <laughs> you know, and, and rather than the three, you know, I don't need to be doing the three. And again, that's a real relief, mm -hmm. you know, not to, you know, it, it, I think that that's been important to know, to be able to switch, mm -hmm. to be able to recognize without, without get being angry. Or sad, mm -hmm. you know. I, I think that's been again maybe a blessing for me that I've been able to just okay, this is what it is. Let's go, you know. Let's 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 go on, and and we'll do our best. And yes, I'll have hip surgery and da 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 da. But you know, I'll fix what can be fixed. And, right. You know, I'm not going to ignore it either, which for me would have been a thing to do in the past because mm. I would have to be dying before I go to the doctor. You know, I was one of those people. Um, but, but now it's like, no, now I've learned to recocognize when things need to be taken care of. And, um, but um, yeah, so that's, that's been an, in, it's been an interesting process, mm -hmm. though, you know, to, to, and again, I think with aging, you can sort of step out here, step out and look 
and see what you're doing and what you're going. <laughs> you know, the, the, somehow the investment in, in everything I do is not as, as big, <laughs> heavy duty. <laughs> That's great. Anyway. Anything else for you, Gail? No, I, I really enjoyed this, Ingrid. This is, I enjoyed listening to you and learning from you. And um, it's clear that, that having been a psychologist has woven itself into everything that you see and yeah. the way you think. Except I would say the opposite. Would you? I would say that I became a psychologist because I thought that way to begin with. You know, people, I think people always attribute people who have, who think about these things and insights and all this stuff uh, to their profession. And I would beg to really disagree with that for myself. I don't know about other people, but for myself is I wanted the dent to be a dentist because I wanted kids that's who I was at age eight. Did I, I didn't have any idea what a psychologist would do or does, but I knew kids were afraid and I didn't like it. So I had to do something about it. <laughs> so, so that's why I would, I would say that I became a psychologist because of the way I think rather than the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ingrid, thank you so much for, okay. for talking with us today. It's been a, just a real pleasure. I appreciate well, it. Nice to see you again, Catherine, and nice to meet you, Gail. And listeners, thank you for your loyalty. Because of you, our numbers are growing all across the country and overseas, and that's a good thing. Still, we need more subscribers and reviews on Apple Play and YouTube. So please support women over 70 and let your voice be heard. Help us change the conversation about women aging.